and I just exalt the name of our God. Just bless his name. Worship him. Describe him. Even in your own manner to describe him. The Bible says he is indescribable one. Oh, he worship him. He is almighty. The one who walks on water. The one who reigns forever and ever. You are the supreme God. You are the only God. You alone are the wise God. You alone are the true God. You are the living God. You are the one who reigns forever and ever. You are the one who never sleeps, never slumbers, yet never gets tired. You are the all-powerful. You are the all-knowing God. The almighty. The one whose eyes stretch from one end of the earth to the other. The one who sits in the throne in heaven, using the heart as his footstool. Whose long leg is like God's God. We worship you today. We exalt you. We exalt you. We exalt you. We magnify your name, O Lord. There is no God like you, Lord. There is no king like you. There is no father like you. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Jesus is indeed the King of Kings, without a doubt. You know, just as that video asked, it said, Do you know him? Do you know him? I want to encourage all of us. You know, Pastor gave us an assignment a couple of uh, weeks ago. Let's all come up with our story concerning Jesus. How Jesus has impacted our lives. And let's share it with the world. And you'll be amazed how much impact that can make. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. The triumphant entry into Jerusalem. The triumphant entry. You know, um... 2,000 years ago, Jesus decided to, uh, after, after the, thank you, after the, uh, resor- the I mean, bringing back uh, Lazarus from death, he, he decided to go into Jerusalem. And um, according to the scripture, which I shall be reading now, Matthew 21, which is the text for today, Matthew 21 verse 1 to 11, Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11, I'll read, Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11, it says, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead, go into the village over there, he said, as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its coat beside it, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks you what you are doing, if anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession. And the people all around him 
were shouting, Praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Praise the Lord. Jesus proceeded into Jerusalem and he had a crowd going after him. But, I mean, before even getting into Jerusalem, he, he, he got to the gates and um, he needed, like, uh, a vehicle, you know. And uh, he told his disciples, as we have read now, that go into that village, you see a donkey and a colt tied, and just untie them. And, and if anybody asks you what you're doing with it, tell them that the Lord has need for it. This is a very popular story, uh, which a lot of us know about, you know. Um, and, of course... It happened as they had, uh, as, I, as they had told them that it would happen. And they released the cult. And he came and he took the cult, got on the cult, and started going into the village. And the Bible says that immediately there was a lot of shouting, there was a lot of uproar. Now, as he entered into the village, people are praising God. People are praising him and, and uh, saying, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord Most High. Praise God in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. All sorts of shouts, all sorts of praises was going up at that particular time. This was a period in the life of Jerusalem where, of, the people of, of the Jews whereby they were in, under, in bondage, in, in quotes, because the Romans were the ones leading them at that time. And they were being oppressed. Praise the Lord. So at that time, they had read in the scriptures that there was a deliverer that would be coming. So for them, at that time, when they saw Jesus, they were like, praise God, our Savior, our deliverer has come, which was true. But they, their own idea of deliverer was quite different from the idea of God was quite different from the idea that Jesus himself had. Because at that time when they were praising him, they were praising him, thinking him as a political leader rather than a spiritual leader that Jesus was. At that time, all they expected of him was, okay, we've seen your power. We've seen that you have ability to perform miracles. You can command things to happen. We've seen you make the blind become, I mean, they open the eyes of the blind. We've seen you make the deaf begin to hear. We just saw you a couple of days ago bring Lazarus back from the dead after he had been dead for four days. We know you've got it. We know you've got what we're looking for. Just come and become our king. And this wasn't the first time that they had actually planned this because the Bible says that about two or three times even before this that they had ganged up and said today we will make you our king but because Jesus knew that that wasn't his agenda that wasn't the plan that God designed for him Jesus always found a way to escape so as they were praising him again and Jesus knew that even though he had found himself in that kind of situation, in, in that situation again, where they were ailing him and praising him like that, that 
he, he didn't, he, he couldn't afford to yield to their heart's desires. Because if he does, then he will be going counter to the will of God. And he had to make a decision at that time to either follow them or to follow God. Praise the Lord. If Jesus knew that this was their their heart's intent, so why then did he come out in the public like that and present himself as the king of kings in such a manner that they would begin to praise him like that? Why then did he do that? He did it for two major reasons. Number one, because the, it was a prophecy that had been a prophecy concerning the way it was going to come, and that prophecy needed to be fulfilled. As you read in verse 5, in Matthew 21, verse 5, there, he says, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. This, was written, this prophecy was written by Zechariah 500 years before the time of Jesus. 500 years. And you can read that in Zechariah 9, 9. So Jesus had to do this to fulfill prophecy. And the second reason why he had to ride on the donkey was because he needed to show, leave his enemies without excuse about his status as a king. He needed to do what kings do. So that the enemies, will, those that are saying uh, whether he's king or not, or that those that are doubting, so that they will know beyond reasonable doubt that yes, this man called Jesus is indeed the king of kings. He needed to keep them short. So he had to ride into town like any other king would ride. So now, the people wanted him to be a political leader to lead their kingdom. But rather, he chose to be a spiritual leader because that was the assignment given to him by God. He chose to be a spiritual leader and to lead them in his own kingdom. So what were, I mean, what, what lessons are we going to learn from these two ways, these two ways of, uh, I mean, the political kingdom and the spiritual kingdom? What lessons can we learn even from the act of Jesus riding into the city? Number one lesson that we're going to learn is that by riding through the street, Jesus claimed, and he made it very clear, he proclaimed that he was the king. He proclaimed that he was the king. Like I said earlier on, he rode through the streets of Jerusalem like a king would do. And he went into his palace immediately. He got into Jerusalem. Because if you read on after verse, uh, verse 11 there, the, the Bible says that as soon as the, uh, the palm phone and all the getting of the donkey, he went into the temple. And that was when he drove out all the traders in the temple. And immediately after he drove them out and cleansed the place, he began to preach. Prior to this, Jesus was not going into the de- temple in depth. As a matter of fact, record as it that maybe just once or twice that he went to the Solomon's, uh, Solomon's porch in somewhere around the temple, but he never presented himself publicly in the temple. But after this, he went into the temple. Why? Because any king that goes into his territory, where would he normally go? He would go to his palace. 
But for Jesus, because he was a spiritual kingdom he was trying to build, the spiritual palace at that time was the temple. Praise the Lord. And he went into this place and he began to preach. He rode into the city as a master that knew his onions well. As a, he rode into, into, into Jerusalem as someone that understood what he was doing, like, uh, like a, a specialist. You know, the, the story of the triumphant entry that uh, Jesus rode on a donkey, a young donkey, a colt, you know. It, when we hear it, we've heard it over and over and over, and we just assume that, okay, it's a normal thing. But let's look at details. You know, I, I, we look at it this day because a, a, there was a story of a cowboy, a, a young cowboy that they told the story of uh, the triumphant entry. And as, I mean, when the cowboy... You know what the cowboys are, right? You know, cowboys are usually, they ride horses a lot. Uh, they, they deal with animals. They're usually um, headsmen. You know, or you both kind of headsmen. Okay, all right. That's so the cowboy, when they told him the story of the triumphant entry, the only thing he could say was that Jesus must have had fantastic hands. And the person telling the story said, ah, what do you mean? I just gave you a fantastic story of how uh, Jesus came to change the world. He rode into Jerusalem and declared himself as the king of kings. He said, yes, but Jesus must have had fantastic hands. What did he mean by fantastic hands? They asked him. And he said, look, I ride animals as a, for a living. If you pick a donkey to ride a donkey, number one, a donkey is not a very stable animal. Now, it's not just a donkey. It is a donkey that has never been ridden before. Nobody has ever climbed the back of that donkey. That is going to make him even more unstable. Now, because that, that is even one. Secondly, the donkey ne does not even have experience. Not to talk of the fact that you now have to drive that donkey that is young, that donkey that is unstable, that donkey that is inexperienced, you have to drive him through a crowd that is shouting and jumping and throwing all sorts of stuff at the donkey on the floor. Panic. But our master Jesus sat down on this donkey with his fantastic hands and held the donkey stable. What does that mean to me? What does that mean to you? When Jesus enters into our wagon, when Jesus enters into our bandwagon, no matter the chaos, no matter the panic, no matter how inexperienced that you think you are, no matter how unstable the situation may be, when Jesus, the King of Kings, when he holds onto the donkey, it makes everything stable. The things that you need a lot of experience to be able to do, it makes it to be happening effortlessly. Praise the Lord. The, 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 the donkey that didn't have strength because it was a young donkey. The donkey that... Is this light? The donkey that didn't have strength, that, that needed uh, to, to be strengthened... Because Master Jesus was the one holding on to it. This light, switch off this light. 
this light. Praise the Lord. Okay. Good. Praise the Lord. So the donkey that needed strength, because it was young, it wasn't strong enough. It had no experience. All of a sudden, because Jesus was the one holding it, all of these things came effortlessly. And Jesus rode this donkey, this young donkey, majestically and proclaimed himself as a king. Praise the Lord. So the second thing that we will learn from Jesus coming into, the, 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 into Jerusalem is that apart from the fact that he proclaimed himself as king, he also gave us a sample of the kind of king that he could be, but he didn't want to be. Praise the Lord. He showed to us the kind of king that he could be, but he chose not to be. The people there were crying and shouting and saying, Hosanna to the highest. We found you. Finally, the Lord has sent our Savior. The Lord has sent the one that would redeem us, that would deliver us from the, the, the chains of the Romans. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. My mission is not to be a political leader but rather my mission is to be a spiritual leader. My mission is not to be a political leader, but rather to be a spiritual leader. At that point, Jesus had the chance. He could have actually started a brand new dynasty of his own. He could have started a, 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 new, a new allegiance. And everybody will follow him because he wasn't even appealing. You know, a lot of leaders in the past, especially military leaders, what they do is is either they conquer people for them, or they appeal to people, maybe by speech or by I mean sharing a vision, you know, and people begin to run after them and follow them. But here was Jesus that he was just doing his master's business. And people were saying, No, 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 I'm ready, I'm ready, I want to follow you. Just tell us. We know where to go. They were saying, Look, we know what our problem was. We know where, what, what we need to do. It is these Romans. Oh, yeah, let's go to Pilate's house. Oh, yeah, let's go to Herod's house. Just lead us. When we get there, we will break the door. Just lead us there. When we get there, we will burn the house. We will be the one to put the petrol. Just lead us there. You know, in the first service, I, I, I gave an example of how, it, how easy it can be for even an idiot to lead a mob. You know, when, when, when we were, when I was in school in, in OAU, there was a time that we had a, a looter. And um, as a young guy, as a teenager, I was part of the people that followed all the crowd. And I went to the school gates. A looter, a looter. Oh, you guys don't know the song. Oh, Omashio. You didn't experience a looter. So we're singing and shouting and dancing at the gates there. And at that time, uh, the Ohio State, of course, they had known that the school was boiling again. You know, he was always known for Aluta. So they had sent military men to stay at the, at the, at the I mean, just a little distance away from the gates. And they had given them instruction, please do not fire any shots, do not touch these students, you know. And so we two were there for like 
20 minutes, 30 minutes, we were just shouting and dancing and singing, and everybody was being charged up and excited. And one guy, nobody even knows who the guy was, out of the blues, just came, picked a stone or a bottle or something, and threw it at the police. And before you knew it, everybody was doing the same thing. And of course, that led to a counter attack and gunshots, tear gas and all stuff, you know, and everybody ran and stuff. What am I trying to say? When there is a more, when there's a, there's a crowd hailing for, to, in, in unison, anybody can easily lead and take off on the wrong tangent. And even, I mean, lead the entire crowd on the wrong, in, in a wrong direction without them even knowing. Jesus had the chance to lead these people and create himself, create for himself a new domain, a new kingdom, which was not in line with God's plan, but he chose not to. Because he remembered his assignment. A lot of us as Christians here, there's a lot of us, that we, 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 we get offers. It could be job offers. It could be business offers. That even you knowing, looking at it, you can tell that this can deviate you from God. But because it's so juicy and it looks so nice, you may want, I mean, we are tempted to take it. Jesus is saying today, be careful. Don't get deviated away from the vision, the plan that God has set for you. Praise the Lord. Jesus was the king. And he had today, he, he had the opportunity to demonstrate to us the kind of king he could be, but he chose not to. Third lesson that we'll get from this entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, the third thing we'll learn from there, apart from the fact that he claimed he was a king, then he showed us the kind of king he could have been that he chose not to, then he also showed us the kind of king that he was meant to be. He showed us the kind of king that he was meant to be. Praise the Lord. In this kingdom that he had designed for us, and for all of us also, we need to ask ourselves, in this kingdom of Je- that Jesus is, is, is preparing for all of us, what is this kingdom about? What is the nature of this kingdom? What, who is royalty in this kingdom? Who are to be his subjects? In this kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus plans and sets out for us is a kingdom where the disciples, his own disciples, are first and foremost the servants. Comparing it to a political kingdom. In a political kingdom, usually you will have the guard at the top. Okay, it's like this. <laughs> or like you have the guy at the top then immediately after the guy at the top you have the generals that are just flexing their muscles and you know going about on TV talking about their guy at the top <laughs> praise the Lord that is the typical style what you would have in a political sit- uh, t- terrain but the reverse is the case in the spiritual terrain because in a spiritual terrain, the so-called ogaz at the top, the generals, are actually the chief servants. Because their job is to serve the people. Their job is to serve the people. 
you know, I, I was telling um, a, a friend of mine a, a while back that GFH is one of the very few churches where the pastors and ministers, because of what they are doing, serving the people, serving the people, they don't even have time at times to sit down and be flexing muscles in the front. You know, in some other churches, pastors, ministers, they are struggling and fighting. I should be the one to sit closest to the pastor. This and that. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because the people here are servants. You mean, you know, when we're having God to do again service and we're distributing food, who distributes the food? Why? Because we're trying to follow the spiritual principle of how to operate in the spiritual kingdom. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And that is the case. That should also apply when you have a spiritual mentality. You should know at all times that anytime you, you find yourself in even a position of authority or position of influence, you should actually be at the back of your mind that you are in that position to serve and to lead. To serve and to lead. Praise the Lord. If you are clapping for Jesus, it's a good place to clap. What is this kingdom that Jesus is trying to establish and tell us about? It's a kingdom where the king's laws are not written on paper, but rather they are written in the, on the hearts of men. They're not written necessarily on paper, but rather on the hearts of men. What is the difference between the, the, the laws written on paper and the laws written on the hearts of men? Is that the ones written on paper can easily become outdated, and yet people still have to follow it. What do I mean? Why is it that lawyers, any lawyer that has a chamber that is up to date, what you have there is just books and books, journals about cases, 1860, 1970, 1934, everything all around. Why? Because anytime they have a case, they always have to re revert to a previous judgment or a previous situation and use that as a basis to determine what will happen today. Right? Now, the danger with that is that those laws or the, things, the principles that guided five, ten years ago, can easily become outdated. Easily become outdated. Very easily. But if the laws are written on the hearts of man, if the laws are embedded in your conscience, you get automatic updates from the Spirit of God. Your heart is continuously, I mean, when you're, when you're where your heart is continuously connected to God, you get automatic updates. When anything changes or when there's, a new, when there's a new instruction from God, God feeds it directly into your heart and you will know. That is the kind of kingdom that God wants us to operate. Praise the Lord. That's the kind of kingdom that God wants us to operate. Another thing about this kingdom that Jesus wants us to appraise is that this kingdom is not a kingdom that requires armed forces. This kingdom is not a kingdom that requires armed forces. Gathered around Jesus at that time were about 3,000 people. And all they had was just palm fronds, waving it and singing praises to God. 
There was no need for Jesus in any way to apply force. His armies only have loving thoughts. His troops are kind words. But the power by which he rules his people is not the strong hand or the stretched out arm of the police or soldier, of the police or the soldiers, but by deeds of lords of by deeds of love and words of overflowing love. That's all. That's what Jesus uses every time. He just uses deeds and actions of love to show and, and get his people buying. Praise the Lord. This kingdom that Jesus is talking about, what is peculiar about it again, or what, is, what, what can we learn about it is that it's a kingdom without taxation. It's a kingdom without taxation. Where is a kingdom where people are willing to give what they have. And the economy runs on free will rather than mandatory taxes. Everybody operating in Nigeria today, at least you know that you are expected to pay taxes, to pay your taxes. That's a political kingdom. But with God, no, no, no. God is saying that, look, my kingdom is such that you, you, it can only be operated on free will giving. Free will offering. How does, how does that tie to this, uh, the story we are reading today? The people, when they, when, they, when they saw Jesus coming on the donkey, on their own, without anybody asking, the ones that had clothes, that had garments, they took it off and put it, offered it on the ground for Jesus to walk on. Those that did not have looked around, and the next thing that they could see, which was closest to royalty was the palm fronds and they caught them and they were putting it on the floor. They were waving it, symbolizing on their own without Jesus giving any instruction. That's how the kingdom works. Free will offering. Free will offering. The same principle applied to the the owners of the donkey. When Jesus sent the disciples to them, he said, when you get there and you see the donkey, untie them. If anybody talks to you about it, just tell them, the master has need for it. The master has need for it. Now, let, let's just brainstorm about these guys, the, the owners of the, of the donkey. There, there, may be a, there could have been a couple of things that could have gone through their minds when, the, when, when those disciples came. You know, the first thing they could have said, okay, it's just normal that, okay, we have to be hospitable people. You know, so if someone has come and said he needs my donkey and I'm not using it at that particular time, okay, let me just be a nice person and let me release it to the person. That could have been one option. More so, it was close to their Passover, so everybody was trying to be nice and be godly at that period. Second option, you could have, you could have just said, who is the person that needs this thing? The master. And they would have said, oh, Jesus, okay, that prophet. Ah, okay, it would be a nice idea for for me to give my donkey for a prophet to use. Not a bad idea. It's okay. Take it. That could have been the second thing that they would have reasoned out as the reason why they left it. They could have also said that, I mean, people would have thought that maybe they had a prearranged with Jesus. And Jesus had given them a password and said, okay, anybody I send, this is the password that the person will come with. The master has need for it. Right? But you see, the truth is that I believe very strongly that these people were a people of faith. All they needed to hear 
because they were people of faith and they were believers. All they needed to hear was that the master has need for it. And at that point, they were willing to let go. For all of us, what is that thing that we are holding that we are willing, that, that we are holding on to God, that God is saying the master has need for it? These people could release it. They could release the, 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 the donkey because they had an understanding. Three, three things that was clear in their mind. True believers are willing to give whatever it is that they have to the Lord. True believers, they are always willing to give whatever it is that they have to the Lord. Irrespective of the quantity they have. The Bible does not record there whether they had plenty uh, donkeys or it was just only one that they had. But that one that was demanded for, without hesitation, they released it. The truth is that donkeys at that time was actually a very, very valuable animal. They are the ones that the animals that they use to move around. They are the animals that they use to, to carry load. You know, maybe those that go to the farm or those that travel. They are the animals that they use to move. So, to, in today's world, it will represent like a car or it will represent like a truck. And someone just comes in. Imagine it. Just all of you, maybe those of you that have that that, uh, that have cars. Just imagine if someone comes to your door, 7 a.m. in the morning, on maybe a Saturday morning, and knocks on the door and says, that's your BMW 7 Series outside. The master has need for it. Where's the key? <laughs> Just think about it. What will go on in your mind? But these people had beautiful understanding and they, had, they knew they must they, they, they probably have had heard of Jesus they had known about Jesus and they had believed in him even without seeing him and they knew that okay whatever it is that they have is just temporary it's just a temporary hold that they are holding after all it belongs to the master in the first place they knew also that whatever it is that they, they, they own that they think they own it's just, it, they are just in temporary custody of it. It actually belongs originally to the master. They also believe that whatever it is that they release to the master, the value will ultimately increase. Look at the donkey. The donkey could have died and retired and got old and died in the backyard. But because it was released to Jesus... The strength that the donkey, the frail donkey, did not have in one grasp of Master Jesus holding it, the strength came. The experience of riding that the donkey did not have, because one, there was just one touch from Jesus holding it, the experience came. And so many other things, and not only that, the fame of the popular donkey today. What is that thing that you own? What is that thing that you hold on to? What is that donkey in your hand? Jesus is saying today, the master has need for it. It could be your time. It could be your skills. Maybe you're hard there. You know how to sing very well. Maybe God is saying, join the best choir on the face of the earth. Maybe you've got skills 
camera, video, and all the stuff that we're doing here. As you can see, the church is very technologically driven. Maybe you've got skills in that space. And God is saying, I have need of that donkey. Maybe it's time for you to join CMM. What is that donkey in your hand? Think about it very well. What is that donkey? The master has need for it. Because the truth is that if they had not released it, if, if they had not released it, trust me, God would have still gotten another one. Because the prophecy would have had to be fulfilled. The choice is yours. How do you want to use the donkey in your hands? How do you want to respond to the call from Master Jesus? As we conclude, every one of us has a donkey. Every one of us has something, a resource, a skill, a talent, time, children, everything. We, We all have something in our hands that we can use for God. Now, as you are willing, as you are thinking right now about what it is that you want to give to God, that you want to return to God, that you want to make available to be used by God, as you are thinking about it, you also need to think about your present condition and your present relationship with God. God has an option also to reject your gifts, to reject your donkey. If you don't have a tight relationship with him, if you don't today have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus is not hungry to take your donkey. He's not desperate either. He's looking for those that have a relationship with him to bring their donkeys forward. If you are here today, you don't have that relationship with Jesus and you would like to cultivate that relationship to start it out today. Wherever you are, you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior so that your donkey can begin to be useful in the house of God. So that that little donkey, you can add more value to it. Jesus' hands is strong enough to provide courage. His hands are strong enough to lift you. His hands are strong enough to stabilize you, irrespective of the situation that you find yourself. Just raise up the hand wherever you are right now and accept Jesus into your life. Our Father in heaven, we just want to thank you. We and ever thank you enough. We give you all the praise and all the glory. We thank you, Lord, for your daughter that has accepted you into her life. Pray, Lord, that even the steps she's taking today will not, the devil will not steal her joy. We pray, Lord Almighty, that she will remain firm in you. And from now onwards, your name will be glorified in her life. For every one of us also, we pray, Lord, that the word we've heard today will be of use in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus.